0: more info now. Hey everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude
1: Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic.
3: And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapist's. This week, a high school student struggles with the intense pressure to achieve while also questioning what success really means.
4: I do feel like the way that like the college system and everything is set up is that you kind of have to go through this in your teenage years. Like there's not really much time for taking it easy or just like taking a step back, and especially cuz I know so many other kids are competing. It's just I I do think I understand it makes me happy. I just I don't know if I'm able to do that to reach my goals.
2: Listen in and maybe learn something about yourself in the process.
3: Dear therapists is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it, in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and or clarity. Hey, Guy. Hi, Lori.
2: So where are we going this week?
3: We are going back to high school.
2: Ooh, high school. That should be interesting.
3: Yeah, I'm, the acne's coming out already. Let me, <laughs> let me read you the letter. Dear therapists, I'm a high school junior and the pressures of college acceptance are already weighing down on me. I feel like I'm blindly applying to any leadership position there is. And that means for every time I'm chosen, there's at least five times I'm not. I'm worried I've become numb to rejection and not fully reaping its benefits. But on the other hand, I feel like I turn into a green eyed monster every time. How do I find the happy medium when it comes to rejection? And more importantly, how do I find the things that truly matter to me, not just what will look good on my college app? Thanks, Libby.
2: Well, first of all, I hope Libby knows that she is not alone in this. This is very common for high schoolers today, unfortunately, to experience this kind of pressure and to feel at odds with who they are and what they want in the service of creating a resume for college.
3: And I really think that we're not doing a benefit to high schoolers today who are in this real rat race of competition. Because if you think about it, they spend so many hours tethered to their desks. And if we replace their laptops with a sewing machine, we'd be like, oh, my goodness, that's a sweatshop. But it's an academic sweatshop. And it's really concerning because it's not leaving them enough time to have a life.
2: And what they miss out on is all of the tasks developmentally that really, for a healthy human, need to happen during that time. So let's go talk to her and find out a little bit more about what she's going through.
3: Absolutely. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P pcom Dear
0: more info now. I'm Lori Gottlieb.
3: And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists.
0: So
4: hi, Libby. Hi, nice
3: to meet you guys. Hi, Libby. It's great to meet you too. Your letter was about the college application Mm -hmm. process and all these leadership positions that you're trying to get so that you have the extracurriculars and all of that. Can you tell us what a typical week looks like for you in terms of how busy you are, what you are doing? I would love to get a sense of the stresses that you're dealing with.
4: Well, beyond the academic side of things where my course load is pretty heavy, I'm on the leadership, of, I think five different clubs at my school and two of them are extremely prominent. So I usually have about like three meetings a week with that along with other oh. projects. And I also volunteer at the food bank eight hours every Saturday. So that's oh. just my time. <laughs> I'm curious to know of
2: those five extracurriculars that you participate in which ones bring you joy
4: um I love going to the food bank I do I feel like that's the one where it's kind of me time but I'm also being productive at the same time but I also beyond the hard work it takes I do enjoy feeling like I'm actively making a change in my school like one of them is a club that promotes like diversity and inclusion. And it's really a good feeling to know that I'm actually making a dent in the atmosphere at my school.
3: That's great. You mentioned me time, that the food (laughs) bank feels like me time.
4: Yeah.
3: Is there any actual me time? Like how much me time do you have?
4: Um, I don't know. But I think in terms of actual me time, I think Sunday evenings are kind of it for me. And that I watch a show. I be with my dog. So paint us a picture that if
2: Sunday evenings, that's the only me time. What are you doing Saturday day, Saturday night, Friday night, Sunday day? Where are your <laughs> weekends? What are you
4: doing? It's a lot of homework. I really do try to like put a lot of effort into my school work. So it, that takes a lot of time behind the scenes and I won't feel good about myself unless I really get that out of the way. So it's usually Sunday where I've gotten it all done.
2: And this pressure that you're feeling to build a resume, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the school environment? Is that coming from your parents? Is that something that you've always held yourself to those kinds of standards? What is the end goal here? Getting into a certain kind of college, which leads you to what, which leads you to what? So help us understand your mindset.
4: I think it's always mostly been me. I've always been very competitive. But then you can put in my environment a little bit, too, and that both my parents have been successful in life and the competition that my school breeds and just like the kind of kids I feel like I'm surrounded by uh, definitely induced me to try even harder
3: so beyond getting into a good school, are there specific schools in mind? Are there specific majors you have in mind that you want to study or specific career parts you know? You just want to give yourself the best options possible.
4: Yeah, I'm not naive enough to think that my life is perfect if I get an acceptance letter to like a top college. But I do feel like it's an important step on the way to having a good career, uh, feeling successful every day or something. Yeah, I don't really know what the goal is. I just think if I feel satisfied with myself, I will have achieved that.
2: When you talk about feeling satisfied with yourself, you talked about two of your extracurriculars that are meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. The food bank, and then you're working on this diversity and inclusion initiative at your school. So the other three, are you doing those for your resume, or are you doing those because your heart wants to do them?
4: I do enjoy the other ones quite a bit. One of them is a the woman empowerment club, too, and I do enjoy that one a lot. I'd lump that one in with the others. But I think the two other clubs, it does kind of feel like I'm kind of taking up the space because I know it's very competitive. So,
3: And are there guidance counselors or is there general wisdom around the school that says you need at least four or five clubs, you need that many Extracurriculars, in other words, it, you would think that just the two that you mentioned and the extra one you threw in, that sounds good. So, is that just because of what everyone else is doing? Why so many?
4: If I want to succeed and be among the most accomplished in my class, that's just a necessity to show. It's leadership and it's important to have that.
2: You used the word accomplished, and I want to help unpack for a minute what your definition is of accomplishment and success. Because as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking about, well, you're doing these activities that don't really mean that much to you, at least two of them. And you're just doing them to have something on your resume that might look good for colleges, but it feels very empty. And I think that's why you wrote to us. I mean, if you were really engaged in all of your activities, we never would have received your letter. So... Help us understand what accomplishment and success mean to you.
4: It's interesting because I think my number one goal in life is to be happy. But I also think that to make myself happy, I have to feel like I am succeeding. And succeeding means like I'm getting the grade I want on a test.
2: Have you heard about the difference between intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation?
4: I do not think I have.
2: So intrinsic motivation is something where the motivation comes from inside of you, like working at the food bank or working on a diversity initiative at your school. That's something that's very meaningful to you. Women empowerment also seems like that's meaningful to you. But the other ones, you're saying you're just basically building a resume with them. That's extrinsic motivation. That's saying something outside of me, whether it's a college system, but you have this idea that there is some reason outside of you that you need to be doing these things that don't really feed you or nourish you. And you Hmm. said, well, I'm happy if I get a certain grade. These extrinsic markers of success make you happy. And what I want to challenge you on is that most people who find happiness. And by that, I mean people who are content because happy is sort of like joy. It's a feeling that comes and goes like any other feeling, sadness, anxiety, they go in and out like weather systems. But a feeling of overall contentness in life comes from meaning, connection. And that's the part where I think you're setting yourself on a dangerous path. So you're getting your happiness from a grade or something that's on your resume. And I, I just don't think that that's going to make you happy in the long run.
4: I guess I really boil down, like I've wrote down like the top five things that make me happy at the end of the day. Uh, I do think a big part of it would be social too. I do find happiness in doing well in school, but I also do appreciate connection. It's just, I feel like there's two sides of me that are kind of battling for the time to find those interactions that make me happy.
2: Well, I'm glad there's connection. the difference between intrinsic and external motivation might be it makes me happy to try my best and to have this growth mindset where I'm learning and I'm growing, even if I don't get the highest grade and I'll learn something from that. And maybe next time I'll do better as opposed to what did everybody else get? Oh, my gosh, I got a 98. Someone else got a 99. (laughs) Right. And you're laughing because this is what you're experiencing. As opposed to, wow, I learned a lot when I was studying for this test, or that was really interesting to me, or I pushed myself to work hard. That's intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is what grade am I going to get? Same with your extracurriculars. It's, I really enjoy doing this activity, or it's very meaningful to me. There's passion and purpose behind it, as opposed to, I became president of this club, and that's going to look good on my resume.
4: I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's just I can't help but feel a bit bit guilty if I do prioritize that the less artificial happiness. And that I do feel like the way that like the college system and everything is kind of set up is that you kind of have to go through this in your teenage years. Like there's not really much time for taking it easy or just like taking a step back, especially because I know so many other kids are competing It's just, I I do think I understand it makes me happy. I just, I don't know if I'm able to do that to reach my goals.
3: You know, we talk about the work-life balance and we usually mean the workplace and the life balance, but the study life balance is exactly the same as the work-life balance. It really means how many hours are you dedicating to your career, present or future versus the connections, small indulgences. Like on Sunday evenings, you allow yourself to watch a show and i hope you enjoy it but that's very little that you're allowing yourself and part of the concern about that is that balance the way it's set up right now is too weighted in the favor of the work component and it doesn't end once you get into college because the mindset that you have right now will be carried over into well But then I want to go to graduate school or get the best internship or get the best job. So can't slack off now. And then you get the best job or you go to graduate school and can't slack off now. And this is what happens to people. They they start in high school and probably you started before. But you set the bar really, really high. And then you focus so much on that bar, you take your eye of how you're doing and That results in feeling very, very stressed out. But this is the right time for high school students to catch it. There's huge competition. But there are probably some tweaks that need to be done that balance things out a little bit more. If you had a little bit more time, if you could invent five more hours in the week that you didn't have to dedicate to the getting into college thing, what would you do with those hours?
4: Hmm. Five more hours in the week. And I don't think the answer you're looking for is put another five hours system study Correct. for a test. <laughs> um, well, I don't think that's the answer you are looking for, Libby. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, it wouldn't be a very enjoyable five hours.
3: But that is where your mind went first. I mean, that's my point, right? That your mind yes. went first and was like, "Oh, I have to do so much more studying. <laughs> or ah, there's one more leadership thing. But that's the, right? But, but I am curious. If it were just for you, just for your own joy, satisfaction, nothing that counts for anything, what would you do?
4: Mm-hmm. If I'm allowed to do this, I'd probably break up an hour for each of the five days of the weekdays. You may, and... and- I would put it at sunset time, and I would Mm -hmm. go on a bike ride, and I would sit, and I would, I don't know, eat ice cream and watch the sunset. Oh, wow. Yes.
2: (laughs) Mm.
3: That sounds amazing.
4: Guy was talking
2: about how this mindset that you have won't end once you get to college. And a lot of kids in high school think about college as the prize, You know, if I can just get that acceptance letter, if I can just get into that college and then they don't really think about what happens. Mm -hmm. All they think about is here's the school I want to go to, or here are the three top schools that I want to go to. And I have to put all of my energies into getting into those schools. And if I get into one of those schools, I'm done. (laughs) And so going back to intrinsic motivation, what is your intrinsic motivation for wanting to get into a certain kind of college, what do you think that will do for you and your life satisfaction?
4: I think it's a pretty good marker of how much I would have sacrificed over like maybe these past four years of high school or what will it be these past four years. I know that myself in the future will, it will be like a very big symbol of all my hard work. And if I it would just show like some of my character too. Like if I worked hard for this goal, I've reached it. And that means I could reach more goals in the future.
2: And what if your goal in high school, when you look back later, you said, you know what I did in high school is I worked really hard and I focused on things that mattered to me. And I got into a good college, maybe not the one. And you did it that way, and you met lots of friends. You were involved in tons of activities that meant something to you. You were prepared for the kind of career you wanted. You ended up having the kinds of relationships that you wanted. Would you look back and be disappointed in yourself?
4: Absolutely not. Somehow I feel like that will be my life. Like I will learn this lesson eventually. But right now I couldn't help. But when you're saying that, think of like a little nagging voice in the back of my mind that was saying like, you could have had more.
2: So what is the more that you could have had? Let's just use a symbol of colleges. Let's say we're talking about Harvard, Yale, Stanford, whatever. Mm -hmm. Going to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, (laughs) as opposed to a really, really good school that isn't Harvard, Yale, Stanford. What is the more that you think you would have at Harvard, Yale, or Stanford?
4: I just feel like one is a bigger symbol, unfortunately. Right, but a symbol to whom? Maybe to me and maybe to everybody else, too. It's just I'm so in the moment right now of working hard, skipping out on the me time, etc., that I want it to make me come in number one. And even if that's just like the U.S. news ranking, it is how other people view it. I want my hard work to reflect a gold medal, not silver.
3: It sounds like you're saying, I need to know that I can do that. And once I get into number one, then... I can maybe relax a little bit more because I proved it to myself, so then I'll be able to be a little less goal-driven.
4: I especially feel like in today's culture, what college you go to is, like, one of the biggest things. Like, if I don't do as well in that school, I can always use that network of, yes, I went there. And it's unfortunate that it's structured that way, but I do feel like it is... Important, especially if I was applying for future jobs and everything, it is an important factor and I don't want to ignore it.
2: I just want to help you with some reality checking on that. Okay. Which is that, and it's hard to see because you're in the middle of all of these kids who have the same beliefs, and and all of these parents, by the way, in your (laughs) community, I'm sure, have the same beliefs. That you have, but I want to zoom out a little bit and give you the perspective from decades down the line, which is that every study shows that where you went to college, whether you went to an Ivy League college or you didn't, has no impact on your future happiness in life. And so you feel like if I have that and I can carry that around for the rest of my life, I went to Harvard, I went to Stanford, I went to Yale, then somehow that protects you and provides a certain kind of life for you that I think is a fiction. Because there are just as many people from those schools who are depressed and anxious and unhappy and don't meet their career goals than people who don't. And so let's just say, for the sake of argument, that these studies are right. That there is no difference in happiness decades later between the people who went to the number one school versus the people who went to the very good schools and were happy at those schools. What is your goal then? What is the purpose of all of this? Of not taking those bike rides, of not watching the sunset?
4: I don't know. I don't really quite know what the goal is. I just know that if I reach this one, it'll just feel... I don't know, like I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. And and that's why we're a little bit worried because, <sighs> <Yeah>. because <laughs>
2: <laughs> Guy and I <laughs> are, are looking at each other. Because you have this fantasy. And it's not just about schools, by the way. So in life, it's like if I get this one job, if I have this amount of money, at that point, I will inoculate myself from, you know, sort of future unhappiness, right? Right. Um, And the
3: research about money is just the same as the research about the Ivy Leagues, that beyond a certain income, which is comparatively low, it doesn't make a difference to happiness at all.
2: And so what worries us is this idea that you're going to get into this school and you're going to get there and you're going to go, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Wait, I sacrificed my childhood and my adolescence (laughs) For this, really? (laughs) And for a while, it will protect you because every time you go somewhere, you'll get to say, yeah, I go to whatever school or, you know, when you graduate, yeah, I graduated from this school. But it's going to start to feel empty at a certain point. It will start to mean a lot less to you and equally importantly, to the people around you. So all of the ways that right now this stuff means so much when people are like, where do you get into school? Where are you going to school? That means a lot it's going to mean almost nothing later on in life.
3: You know, Libby, part of I think the thinking that you have that's problematic, but a lot of people in your position have, is that it feels like going from 100% effort to 98% effort or 97% effort will sabotage your goals entirely. So it's either sunset Or Harvard. (laughs) You can't have both. And that's a real problem with the thinking because that's absolutely incorrect. And I think that if you were to speak to people who consider themselves successful later in life, they will point to the mix. They have these professional goals and equally important for them is to have a life, is to do the things that make them happy, is to do the things that give them meaning, which is, then about personal enrichment, connections and family and friendships and all of those things. And I think that the feeling is, and this is the feeling that I think is is troubling me with you, is that you really feel like, no, but right now it has to be 100%. And I have to put on hold all my other wants and needs, other than Sunday watching a show for a little bit. And that is the thinking that I think is too extreme, because success means you have both.
2: Well, right. I think when we talk about success, you can have all of these very impressive extracurriculars and the grades that you want to have. But if the cost is stress or depression or anxiety or envy all the time, or this feeling of never being good enough compared to your classmates, I don't know that that's a healthy definition of success. And I don't know that it's the kind of success that you should aspire to.
4: It's just, it's so hard to change my way of thinking because when you guys are saying this, I am reminded of like what I have honestly thought is that I will be likely happier socially. I will feel less like the toxic environment, but it's just so hard to unlearn that wanting the best, especially because... I am in that environment right now. So I can't help but wonder if I could have both. So Libby,
2: what Guy said earlier, I think is really important, which is that nobody's saying go from 110% effort to 80% effort. Yeah. He was talking about going to like a 98. And I think what he meant to wasn't a 98 and the things you care about the things you care about, put in 110% effort because you care. Guy and I, we put in 110% effort into the things that really matter to us. We will sacrifice lots of things for the things that really matter to us, but matter to us intrinsically. But to put in 110% effort into something that doesn't mean something to us, that is where we want to open up a little door for you. And to help you think about, even in this conversation, those two extracurriculars that you said, well, those are leadership positions. And at my school, those look really good on a resume. I think that when you get to college, what makes for success are the people who are whole human beings, who really learned something about themselves as they were going through this developmental phase. Those people who say, I know what's important to me, and I'm going to put a lot of effort into what's important to me, I'm going to be authentic. And it's even possible that your plan is backfiring because I think that the colleges are pretty aware of what's authentic and what's not. And you're kind of rolling your eyes a little bit there. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to tell you that I think they're getting much better at that. They're like, wait a minute, this person is doing five extracurriculars and they're doing this and that and the other thing. And they're also getting the top grades. And I have to wonder, where's this person's true passion? Who is this person?
4: Yeah, I absolutely understand that. And I, I have to say, I was thinking of like the kids I know who they run clubs like, I don't even know, like research of kidney transplant or something. And I seriously doubt 16-year-olds are interested in that. If you asked any of my friends or any of my classmates, I would feel like they would describe me as that person. I feel like that's a big part of my quote-unquote brand. You use the
2: word brand. (laughs) Okay. That that's part of your brand. And I think right there you're looking for a brand of a college. You're not looking for the place where you will thrive. Mm -hmm. You are simply saying, oh, I want the Harvard brand or whatever your your dream is, as opposed to where will I actually thrive? And you're looking at how people perceive you. That's your brand. That's not your essence. And in life, what's going to be important in terms of your happiness is what is your authentic essence, not what is your brand? I can say for myself that when I was in high school, I felt like if I didn't do all of the things that I could do, even if they didn't make me happy or weren't fulfilling to me, that people would perceive me as less accomplished. People would perceive me as less in the game. If I didn't get the top score on a test, then people would think I was less smart because I could have gotten a higher score, but I decided to go take that bike ride and look at the sunset. Mm. And what I found was it didn't matter what people thought of me because I was making myself miserable. Yeah. And I think that the mindset is, well, it's only four years, so I can I can live miserably for four years. Yeah. Four years matters, not just because of those four years, but because it forms who you are going forward.
4: That's true.
2: When you think about your brand, I want you to think seriously about what you value in yourself and not what others might value about you. And to be able to separate that out because right now they are so enmeshed.
4: Yeah, the thing is those things are important to me, but I feel like I can't let up too. Like I need to have that accomplished version of myself. And then I also am trying to work on that other person.
3: If you described the way you are right now and you compared that to describing the exact same person with one tweak, that the second version of Libby only does three clubs rather than five, and she spends an hour every day taking a bike ride, watching the sunset, sometimes having some ice cream, sometimes doing some sketching, sometimes just listening to music. She spends an hour of quality time with herself every day doing things that just make her smile. Which one is more successful of those two Libby's?
4: the second one it it just it just it just clicked for me it just clicked for me
2: and who do you like better libby 1 who does things that don't really mean that much to her but she's trying to game the system or libby 2 who's really accomplished works really hard gets really good grades participates in activities that mean something to her she wants to make the world a better place and she also values her social connections and she values herself i like the
4: second one (laughs) it's that's crazy i've always thought that like a central like tenet of and i think right around when i wrote to you guys i was thinking a lot of like what rejection is and Mm -hmm. what success is and something i wrote down was successful people do all the things unsuccessful people don't want to do now i don't know if that's true
3: look, there's always more you can do. That's certainly going to be true in college. There was always another chapter you can read, another paper you can study, another round. The trick then is to know where to set the limit and to know how to prioritize some other thing. So you are clear about the social being important. The third aspect is, again, your quality of life. Like, you know, people will sometimes say, oh, I just took a bath for an hour and just kind of lay there and thought for a bit and all the bike ride, all the kinds of things that you look at, like, I don't have time for that. But the way it works is that if you decide, here are the things that actually make me smile and unwind and recharge and rejuvenate, like taking the bike ride and watching the sunset. So those become priorities. I'll limit them because I don't have a ton of time. But once they are in What then don't I have time for? And then that's when the less meaningful extras drop off because truly then you don't have time for them. But they won't drop off unless there's something else forcing its way in that you need to prioritize. And that's, again, your emotional needs, your self-care, take a moment to breathe, to relax, to absorb, to get perspective. That's what's missing that you need to elbow in and other things will drop out because of it.
2: Okay. I'll also... Give you a little bit of a window into what Guy and I see in the therapy room, which is that an older version of you will come in and sit on our respective couches and they will say, I went to this college. I have this successful job. I have lots of friends. Everything looks great on the outside. And I am so unhappy and I don't know why. And I see your face. Your face just (laughs) sort of fell.
4: Yeah,
2: And that's because I think that something resonated there with you, that it was sort of like the ghost of Christmas past, (laughs) that something said, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh, what if? Even though I don't think that that's how you think things are going to go, because nobody does. So everybody like you thinks, I'm going to work really hard, I'm going to get into the college, I'm going to do really well in college, and then I'm going to get this great job, and it's going to be great. And then they come to therapy and they say, I don't know why it's not great. I don't know what happened. I did everything right. I checked off every box and more. There's nothing I could have done differently. But oh, yes, there is. (laughs) And that's what we're trying to tell you, that -hmm. there is something you could do differently. It's not about the checklist, because the checklist won't necessarily get you to the kind of life you want to live.
4: Yeah, the checklist thing kind of also struck a nerve because a little anecdote. I recently started just like seeing a therapist to deal with like the stress of junior year because this may have kind of inspired me. But uh, I told her I didn't have a very good weekend, and she asked why, and I was like, I didn't get a lot done, and mm-hmm. she was shocked to discover I had a backup to do list after I had finished my first to do list, and she was told me that's, I don't know, like I'll never really reach like what Guy was saying, like, I'll never really reach that check off. Like, it's just a constant uphill battle.
2: You know, Libby, I'm wondering, we've been talking a lot about the environment at your school. What do you think your parents would say about going from 110% to maybe 98% in certain areas that you're less passionate about?
4: Uh, I think they'd be Complete proponents of that when they go to parent-teacher conferences, the teachers are expecting to see, like, super crazy, like, super hard-on-me parents. And they're always shocked that my parents seem chill and they agree they want me to take a step back and relax. But that means there's no external people making me that way. It's just me. (laughs) It's not just you.
2: It's the culture, too. The environment that we're in is contagious. Mm Mm-hmm. And so part of you, yes, you're just inherently a person who is very driven and that can be a great quality, but you have to drive in the right direction. You can be driven, but where are you actually getting to? Where are you actually going? And are you enjoying the ride?
4: That's a good analogy. Yeah. Cause when you guys are talking about that second Libby, it was just, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I would totally want to be that girl. I really would. But it's just, it's hard when I feel like the environment I'm in doesn't really foster that kind of person. Like, how do you really transform, like, to use, like, a flower analogy? How do you, like, blossom into that flower when the ground you're in only really takes the first version? No,
3: no, no. That's the point that we're trying to make is that (laughs) that's not necessarily true.
2: (laughs) The soil isn't like that. One thing to remember is that nobody gets to live your life for you that this is your life and you get to choose how it goes. And so when you say, I can't do this or I can't do that, I only get this little window on Sunday nights. That's my, I get to watch a show. (laughs) You know, I mean, when you hear that, it sounds like a very limited life.
4: Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your advice. It's really nice to hear it too, because I feel like there is a part of me that's kind of been like whining for it, like, I I would like to be able to become a more well-rounded person. I would like to like read that book on my shelf. I would like to have that. It's just nice to hear I might be like allowed to almost.
2: So Libby, we're thinking about your situation and here's what we'd like you to do this week. We'd like you to go on that bike ride and look at the sunset. And while you're there, we want you to make a list of the things that you would just like to do, like you just said, oh, I'd like to read a book off my shelf occasionally. While you're up there enjoying the sunset, make a list. Here are seven things that I would like to do. And then we want you to do one of those each day. And it doesn't have to take a full hour, It could be something like, I'm going to read a chapter of a book and maybe that takes me 30 minutes or I'm going to call a friend and we're going to not talk about anything academic. We're just going to talk about life and laugh and enjoy ourselves. Whatever those things are for you, we'd like you to do one of them a day and really embody Libby 2.
3: And when you catch yourself having a Libby 1 reaction, we'd like you to write down what Libby 2 would think about that. Because Libby 2 might think, I'm actually really enjoying the book that I'm reading, and I'm allowing myself to do at least 45 minutes a day of it, and I'm loving it. And if you can get this balance right between keeping your finger on your pulse and giving yourself things that you need that you've been denying yourself because of this other priority, that's success. That's Libby 2. And because ultimately, we think you'll be much happier and actually more successful in life as Libby 2 rather than Libby 1.
4: Okay, I can absolutely do that. That was not as scary as I thought it would be. And
2: remember too, because you do hold yourself to such high standards, the perfectionist in you is going to want to master that this week. And we want to let you know that this takes time. We would consider this a success. If you got just a taste of what it might be like to inhabit Libby too. Because we think Libby 2 is your more authentic self, and that's the goal of this. So if you get a little taste of that, this week will be a huge success.
4: I think I think it's a really good idea. I hope it'll help me like redefine my goals too. And it's just good to like find what would make me happy. So I'm excited.
2: <laughs> yeah, we don't
4: think you've put enough thought into that. Yeah. Well, it would be nice to finally be able to.
2: I think adolescence is a really important time for developing a sense of who you are and what's important to you because you're in that period between being a child where you're so influenced by the adults around you to becoming an adult yourself. And I'm so glad that Libby was able to sit and grapple with the two different parts of her, the part of her that's very impacted by what she thinks is important in the culture and then the part of her that says wait a minute I don't necessarily want to live like this.
3: And really getting in touch with what your needs are learning that regardless of all the obligations in front of me I need to have some time off I need to be able to read for pleasure I need to be able to watch a sunset and to be able to recognize that As you're growing up and you become a full adult, no one is going to do that for you. You have to learn to take care of your own emotional needs in that way. And this is the time to practice that.
2: And you also have to be able to define your values for yourself. That's part of the work of moving through adolescence and early adulthood. She's gone through her life with this very all or nothing mindset. There's success and there's failure. And there's nothing in between. And her definition of success is not actually leading to what I think would be her definition of a successful life. So I'm really interested to see whether she is able to incorporate some of this into her daily life. Sometimes these small tweaks can make a huge difference.
3: I'll say this, Laurie, when we do these sessions, I often walk away thinking, oh, there's a reminder for me there as well. And as we were talking, I'm like, when is the last time I saw a sunset? It's not that long ago, in fact, but I'm going to go watch one today.
2: You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh?
1: Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb.
3: So for the first time, we got back a homework assignment from an actual student, Libby.
2: And this is the assignment that I care the most about. Exactly. Libby too. Let's hear it.
4: Hi, guys. So I did it. I wrote down my list, which was as follows. One, watch the sunset. Two, finally finish my book I've been reading. Three, go on a walk with my best friend. Uh, Four, catch up on the latest SNL. Five, go out and get lunch. Six watch a movie with my little brother and seven sit in a pretty place and just listen to music and after that week I honestly feel lighter I thought I'd feel more stressed with less time but it's more like the highs and lows of my day are more saturated I'm getting more satisfaction after finishing my work without piling more on and the things I do for myself are just as fun as I thought they would be Just like you said, I do feel more balanced after bringing this balance into my life. I feel less like a workhorse and more like a girl just doing her best. I'm really going to try to implement this more into my life, even if it's just three things a week, and I do recommend it to anyone else overwhelmed by stress out there. I'm feeling far more optimistic and just happy. I feel like I was really able to have those extra five hours of sunsets that I craved. So thank you. Thank you so much. So I love that Libby discovered that when you have balance in your life, it
2: doesn't make you less productive. It actually makes you function better as a whole.
3: I think what stops many people from doing what Libby did is this fear that because they're so depleted, if they spend any effort in trying to make time for themselves, that will bottom them out and they will really go into the red When in fact it's paradoxical, it's the opposite. By making time for yourself, you are filling your tank. You're not depleting it further.
2: And I hope that other students like Libby listen to this and they try it for themselves because what they're doing is they're training themselves to take the time to care for themselves, which they will need to do as adults because we see so many adults who come to us with a similar thing. So it's not necessarily about extracurriculars and getting grades and getting into college, but it's about not being able to take time for themselves in their daily lives. So I hope that high school students listen to this, but I also hope that adults listen to this and implement these strategies. Just try it for a week like Libby did and see and feel the change.
3: Hey, fellow travelers. If you've used any of our advice from the podcast in your own life, Send us a quick voice memo to Lori and Guy at iHeartMedia.com and tell us about it. We may include it in a future show. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review it.
2: You can follow us both online. I'm at LaurieGottlieb.com and you can follow me on Twitter at LoriGottlieb One or on Instagram at LoriGottlieb underscore author.
3: And I'm at guywinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. At Guy Winch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at Laurie and Guy at iHeartMedia.com.
2: Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. And next week, a woman deals with the fallout after her mother blames her for her father's suicide. She said,
3: you know why he killed himself? So she made it sound like she knew the reason. Like he left it in the suicide note. Basically, I don't
2: believe her anymore.
3: I feel like she's lying.
2: Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio.